morning, family. The scripture reading today is Romans 13, 8 through 14. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm, does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber, because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. May God add his blessing to the readings of the word. Thank you, Leonie. One of the mistakes which we are all prone to making is missing the forest for the trees. In virtually every area of life, we can run into this problem where we miss the forest for the trees. Uh, you get up in the morning and you're nervous because you have a big job interview. And you really want to impress them, right? So you go to the closet, and you want to find just the right outfit. And you try on one, two, three different shirts, and you finally find just the right shirt. Uh, But then it doesn't go with the pants. So then you you try on several other pairs of pants, and then, well, you like these pants, but it doesn't go with the shirt. So then you you just keep trying all these, and then you get the right outfit, and then you, you know, uh, go to do your makeup. And you, got to, you don't want too much, but you don't want too little, and you do it, it's not right. So you, and you spend so much time getting yourself ready that you're late for the interview. Right? You've missed the forest for the trees. Uh, one of the things that musicians will discover when they're recording music, they go to record a song, oftentimes the first take is the best take. Like you'll, you'll record it several times, but oftentimes the first one is the best because with subsequent takes, you end up getting lost in the trees and you're focusing too much on every detail of the music. You're, you're focusing on every chord change and every nuance, every dynamic nuance, and, and you, you get so caught up in them that actually in the end, it just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't sound as good. Now, you've missed the forest for the trees. We come to this passage today, and I think Paul wants to tell us that we can do the same thing In our walk with God, we can do the same thing in terms of our desire to live, uh, to live in accordance with the kingdom of God. And and with any kingdom, the values of the kingdom are reflected in their laws. So the laws of a kingdom reflect the deeper values of that kingdom, that nation, that whatever it happens to be. So if you have a law that is an an anti-discrimination law, then that reflects the value of equality. 
Uh, if, you, if you have a law that, that makes recycling mandatory, then that, that reflects a, a value for the earth's resources, right? So, so laws reflect the values of the kingdom. And the same thing is true in God's kingdom, that the laws reflect the values. But what Paul wants us to see is that actually sometimes we can miss the forest for the trees. And we can get so caught up in, in the in individual laws that we miss what they're, they're all about. And so he, he's kind of reminding us about this, right? He says, he says in verse, uh, verse 9, the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are something like 613 commands in the Old Testament and what he's saying is that, you know, you can get so focused on all of these different commands that actually in your attempt to, to, to follow all of these commands, you end up missing most of them. You end up overemphasizing certain laws and, and neglecting other laws. And, and you just kind of, you're missing the forest for the trees. And he wants us to, to be clear, okay, what, what is this all about? He said, you sum it all up. It's all about loving your neighbor. If we're continuing in this series called Love Your Neighbor, and again, this has sort of been the whole point, you know, that, that what, what does it mean to truly live? What, what is Jesus teaching us about what it truly means to live? And he's saying that to, to, be, to be as fully human as you possibly can means to become a person who increasingly is able to love others, to love your neighbor. That's, that's what it means to truly live. And so we've been looking at this whole idea of loving your neighbor for the last several weeks. And we've been looking at it asking three questions. Who, how, and how much? Who is my neighbor? How am I to love my neighbor? And how much? And we looked at who and how in previous weeks, and now we're looking at at how much. And what I want to be really careful, what I've tried to do here is, is again, looking at this big question, uh, looking at, at the forest, is I want to be sure that I don't then all of a sudden start getting into the trees. So what you're not going to find me is giving you 15 ways to love your husband. 15 easy, concrete, concrete ways to love your wife. Now, that actually might be very helpful, but it can very easily turn into laws. And then, you, and then you're like, okay, well, I've, I've got to just make sure I do these 15 things that pastor said. So we're, we're, we're not going to get into the, the trees so much. We're just going to look at the forest. We're looking at it from different angles, trying to see this, this whole picture, but from different angles of who, how, and how much. So that's the question we're looking at today. When it comes to loving our neighbor, how much? And what we're going to see is that true love never asks how much. True love never asks how much. That, that just in asking the question how much, this, this is, reveals that it's not a matter of, of true love. True love never says, how much should I love my spouse? True love never says, how much should I love my neighbor? True love never says, how much should I put up with? How much should I put up with my coworker? Uh, how much should I put up with my in-laws? Uh, how much should I put up with? How much should I give? How much should I give of my time and my resources to help people? How much of my money should I give? True love never asks how much. 
Of course, for some of us, it's not a bad place to start. It's not a bad place to start, you know. I mean, uh, some of us, I, I think we're, we're so focused on how much or little love we're receiving that we never really get to asking, well, how, how much am I? Just to even ask that question, at least, at least you're thinking about other people. That's a good first step, right? Okay, well, how, mu- how much should I love? At least, at least you're thinking about other people, so that's a good first step. But, but ultimately, true love never asks how much. Another way of saying this is that true love never says, I've loved them enough. True love never says, yep, I've, I've, I've loved my wife enough. I've loved my neighbor enough. I've put up with enough. True love never says that. True love never says, I have fulfilled the law. That in the very saying, I have fulfilled the law, you reveal that you haven't fulfilled the law. The way you fulfill the law is by never saying, I have fulfilled the law. True love never says, I fulfilled the law. Turn with me to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, Jesus has an encounter with a wealthy individual. And what we're going to discover is that this individual thinks that he has fulfilled the law. He thinks he's done all that he has required. And in thinking that, and in even saying that, reveals, well, that he hasn't fulfilled the law. This is page 1039 of your pew Bibles. A certain ruler asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit Eternal life. You know, what he's asking here is how much? (laughs) That's really what he's asking. How much do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. What does he say? All these I have kept since I was a boy. What's he saying? He's saying, okay, I've done it. I've kept, I have fulfilled the law. What Jesus wants him to see is, no, 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 no. The minute you say that you fulfilled the law actually reveals that you haven't fulfilled the law. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. Now, is, is Jesus really saying, is he saying, okay, if you actually sell everything give to the poor, then you can walk around saying, hey, I fulfilled the law. No, that's not what he's saying. He's not saying you can now say that. He, he's saying, look, it's a way of saying the way you fulfill the law is by realizing that true love never says, I have fulfilled the law. True love says, I've, I've, I've never, I've never, I can never say that I love the people around me enough. I can never say that I've put up with Enough of this stuff. That's just, true love never says that. True love never says, I have fulfilled the law. True love never says, how much? True love never says, I've, I've done enough. Why is this? Why is this? What, what is true love? What is true love? I think what we find is that true love is an insatiable desire to give more. That's what true love is. True love is an insatiable desire to give more. And this insatiable desire to give more, we see this, if we go back to our passage, 
This is drawn out because Paul highlights the opposite of love. The opposite of love is lust. You see, if if love is the insatiable desire to give more, then lust is the insatiable desire to receive more. And this is what Paul is is getting at here in in verses 12 and 13. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. What is he talking about here? He's highlighting things where their lustfulness is just worn on its sleeve. These vices, they're just sort of the epitome of lust. You just look at it and say, well, yeah, that's, that's the insatiable desire to receive more. What is drunkenness? But it's an insatiable desire for more. You're just not satisfied with one or two drinks. You have to have more. You have to have more. And, and orgies and sexual... It's, it's this insatiable sexual desire that simply cannot be satiated. Now, that's the opposite of love. It, lust is this insatiable desire to receive more. And, of course, Paul's just using these specific examples because they highlight that so well. But, of course, the last thing Paul would want us to do is say, well, I don't get drunk, and I don't get involved in orgies, so I have kept the law. That's the last thing he would want us to say. He's just using those to highlight this, this, this insatiable desire to receive more because these vices just sort of wear it on, on their sleeves, right? But this insatiable desire to receive more can be in anything. It can be an insatiable desire for success. You're just never satisfied with your career. You're never satisfied with what you have accomplished. It can be an insatiable desire for more stuff, more material things, right? You just, you always need that new car, that new phone, that new thing. It's just an insatiable desire to receive more. It can be, a, it can be an insatiable desire for security and safety. You never, feel, you never feel safe, you never feel secure, you never... Quite have what you need. It can be an insatiable desire for cleanliness, right? Your house, it's just never clean. No matter how much you clean it, it's just never clean. It's just insatiable desire. It can be an insatiable desire for family. In other words, you're, you, you just want more of your family, and you're never satisfied if you're never satisfied with your family. You're just never satisfied because you just want more. So you see, it's this insatiable desire to receive more. Paul is saying that's that's the opposite of what true love is. True love is the insatiable desire to give more. And so the question then that emerges is what do you do if you don't have that insatiable desire to give more? What do you do? What do you do if you just don't want to? What if you just don't want to love that coworker that's really obnoxious and annoying? You just don't want to. What, 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 if, you don't, what if you don't want to, to help that, that relative or that friend that just they just, keep, they just keep coming to you with everything that they need? Like every time they call, they need something. And, and the reality is you just, you just don't want to. I mean, you want to want to. 
You know, I think sometimes we, 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 want, we want to want to, but we don't want to. We want to want to, but we don't want to, you know. What do you do? You, you, don't, you don't want to... You don't want to give to the church. You don't want to give more to the church. You don't want to give more of your resources to help. You see that the church has needs and, 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 and to, to make its kingdom work happen, and, and you see it has needs, and, but you just don't want to. You want to want to, but you don't. Look, I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to me. I don't always want to be here. I don't always want to return your phone calls. I mean, I, I, I want to want to. I want to want to, but I, I don't always want to. So what do you do when you don't want to, you just don't have this insatiable desire to give more? What do you, what do, you do? Verse 14. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you do when you don't want to? What do you do when you don't have that insatiable desire to give? Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we find this clothing language as a way of talking about appropriating the gospel to your life. We find that they use it throughout, throughout the scriptures. Uh, they find it here. If I can just find a couple of verses for you. Uh, in Galatians, for example. Galatians... See if I mark the right page. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, verse 27, For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. So that's what it means. That's what it means to, to be baptized into Christ, to, 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 to appropriate the gospel to your life. You put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses this language in, in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self. Same word. Same word in the Greek. Clothe yourselves with the new self. Clothe, Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. What do you do when you don't have that desire to give more? You clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Romans We've been in Romans, but if you go back earlier in the book, by the time we get to Romans 13, Paul's been talking for a while. And so Romans 13, kind of, when he talks about clothing the Lord Jesus Christ, you go back and you read Romans and you realize, oh, this is what he's talking about. What does he mean to clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ? We're going to discover that Paul, if you go to Romans chapter 7, has exactly the same struggle that I've just addressed. We find him wrestling with exactly the same issues that that we, we saw earlier in this message. And what we see is that Paul wants to. He wants to follow God. He wants to be obedient, but he, he doesn't want to. I mean, he wants to want to, but he doesn't want to. This is Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 18. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. Jumping down, verse 21. So I see this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. 
For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in my members, the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man am I? He's he's saying, "I, I want to, but there's this other want in me, in my flesh that doesn't want to. So I want to want to, but I don't want to. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Then jumping down, chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. If you only memorize two verses of Scripture, I would memorize these verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. What is he talking about? He's talking about being clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ, being clothed with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you go on into verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Those who live in accordance with the Spirit. What was he talking about? He's talking about those who put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and now the Spirit of God comes into you, and the desires of the Spirit now become your desires. You see, it's all a matter of an internal obligation that comes comes from within. You see, that's how desire works. Desire is an internal obligation. Paul talks about obligation, right? He's talking about an internal obligation. It's not, it's not like I'm doing this because I've got you know, to do this or my wife's not going to be happy. I've got to do this or God's not going to be happy. It's not an external kind of obligation. That's the way desire works. It's an internal obligation. And actually, we see this if we think about the opposite when we look at lustful desires. For the lustful desires, it's not like the person who's, who's struggling with drunkenness, it's not like they're consciously saying, oh, man, I haven't, I haven't been drinking enough. The devil is not going to like me. He's not going to approve of me. He's not going to welcome me into his kingdom. Oh, my gosh, I haven't been, you know... I haven't been sleeping around enough. Oh my, I haven't been bad enough. Oh my, how bad is bad enough? You know, nobody asks that. Because it's just, it's this internal obligation. It's your desire. And, and the same thing is true. You see, when you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, it becomes your internal desires. You see, if all you're doing is saying, how much is enough? You know what you're really doing? You're really just covering up your lustful desires. You're just managing your sin. That's all you're doing. How much do I need to give? What does that really mean? How much can I keep? How much money do I need to give means how much money can I keep? How much of my time can I give to this person means how much of my time can I keep? You see, it's just a way of managing your your sinful nature, because what do you really want to do? But you see, when you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, see, it's not even like, oh, I need to do this, or God's not going to be happy. No, it's, it's now his desires become your desires. You just want to. 
So what does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus? What does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? It means to put on these two realities. There are two realities that you need to put on. You need to clothe yourself in. And here's the first one. You need to realize that God loves you so much, he has never said how much. God loves you so much, he has never said how much. God loves you so much, he's never said how much more of you am I going to put up with? How much more am I? He's he's never said that. God doesn't say how much. This is... This is the whole point of the cross. That on the cross, he was saying, I'm not going to put a limit on what I'm willing to do for you. I'm not going to put a limit on what I'm willing to put up with. He's saying, I I, I don't say how much. I don't ask how much. You know, what's interesting is that the fact that God God doesn't say how much is is really, it actually drove the people of Israel nuts. It drove them nuts. You you find this, you go back in the Old Testament, and it just drove them nuts. Uh, Because what was happening, you go back... Uh, certainly in the, in the middle of the first century, when everything was kind of middle of the cent- first century B.C., when everything was falling apart for the people of Israel, and this is where you get most of the prophets and whatnot. And they're just, they're really not happy because they see all of this sin all around them. They see all kinds of injustice around them, and, and they cry out. This is what Habakkuk says. Habakkuk, living around the time of the fall of Jerusalem, somewhere around there, he says, How long, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? And they're just so frustrated with God's compassion because he's so compassionate on all these people who are sinning around them and doing all kinds of terrible things, and they can't understand. They're saying, God, why don't you say how much? Why, don't you, why are we the ones saying it? Why don't you do something about this? But, of course, the heart of the gospel is that the compassion that God has on those who sin against us is exactly the same compassion that he has for us. What it means to clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ is to realize that God, God never says how much. God never says, I have fulfilled the law. And in so doing, he is able to say, I have fulfilled the law. Jesus never says, I am finished with you. And in so doing, he is able to say, it is finished. On the cross, Jesus gives his life for you. And in so doing, he is saying, I will never stop giving myself for you. To clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ is to clothe yourself in the reality of the cross. That Jesus has never said how much. He will never say how much. He will always say, I am here. I am waiting for you. I am patient with you. If you will just turn to me. And you see, when you come to realize that Jesus never says how much, you see, that will birth in you the same desire to live the same way. Jesus tells a parable about a banker who loans money to two individuals. He loans 
about $6,000 to one guy and about $60,000 to another guy. And then he realizes neither one of them can pay their debts, so he cancels their debts. And then he says, Jesus says to the people he's been telling the story to, he says, which one of these people do you think will love more? Which one do you think will love the banker more? And and they answer correctly. They say, well, the the guy who was, his debt of $60,000 was canceled. He says, "You're, you're right. What he's saying is the more that you realize how God has never said how much for you, the more you will never say how much with regard to that. The more you get the compassion that God has poured out for you on the cross, the more you will be willing to die yourself for others. What does it mean to clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ? It means to clothe yourself in the reality of the cross and secondly, to clothe yourselves in the reality of the resurrection. And the reality of the resurrection teaches us this. It teaches us that the path to life is to never say how much. The reality of the resurrection teaches us that the path to life is the path that never says how much. You see, we think of it completely the other way. That seems totally counterintuitive. We think we have to say, how much? Well, how how much do I get? I have to put a limit on this. If I don't put a limit on this, well, then I'm, you know, I'm going to be exhausted. I'm going to die. The reality of the resurrection says, yes, but you will live. Jesus gave himself on the cross. He said, I'm not going to say how much. And it led to death, but it ultimately led to life. You see, to clothe yourselves, to clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ is to clothe yourselves in the reality of the resurrection. Paul, again, all of this, Paul talks about all of this in this letter of Romans leading up to where he says, clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in in Romans chapter 6, he says this, he says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. He's saying you clothe yourselves in the Lord Jesus Christ and and you give yourself as he has given. What you come to realize is that the path that leads to life is exactly the path that never says how much, as counterintuitive as that seems. How do we, when you don't have that desire, you don't want to, what do you do? You clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think this image of clothing yourself is a really interesting one. I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but there is nothing in this world you have spent more time with than your clothes. There's nothing in this world you've spent more time with than your clothes. Ah, What's the first thing you do? You get up in the morning, you put your clothes on. 
What's the last thing that you do? At the end of the day, you take your clothes off. You've spent more time with your clothes than you have at work. Even those of you who work long hours, you spend more time with your clothes. You spent more time with your fa- you spent more time with your clothes than you have with your family. You spent more time with your clothes than you have with your spouse. Except maybe on your honeymoon. But you spend more time with your clothes. You spent more time with your clothes than you have with anything in this world. I've been to India, uh, I've been to Australia, I've been to Brazil, I've been to Italy, I've been to Mexico, and you know what? I realized my clothes have been with me to all these places I've been. There isn't a person that's that's been to all those places with me, but my clothes go with me everywhere I go, and I think that's why they use this, this imagery here. What it's saying is, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to take the reality of the cross and the resurrection, and it's got to be what permeates every aspect of your life. And that as it begins to do that, you see, as that begins to happen, you're going to find that your desires begin to change. You begin to have that true love that's willing to give and never to say how much. So let me just ask you this. In what areas of your life Have you been asking how much? Maybe it's a relationship with a coworker where you're like, how much do I have to put up with? True love would say this, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and stop asking how much. Maybe for you it's, I'm putting a limit on, on, on my finances, on what I'm going to allow God to have access to. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Stop asking how much. I'll give you one practical tip. I don't like to give practical tips because then they turn into laws. So don't turn this into a law. But this is a good one. I have a friend who he and his wife have decided that every year their goal is to increase their giving for the kingdom work. That's their goal every year to give a little bit more. And I, I think it's a, it's, a great, it's a great goal because it's not quite like saying, well, wait a minute, Pastor. You're saying, no, I got to sell everything. I got to sell everything, give to the poor. Like, all right, if I'm not going to put a limit on it, then I just got to go sell the farm. Well, okay, there's other reasons, practical reasons why that might not be a very good idea. But the, this, this perspective, say, well, I'm going to increase it just a little bit each year. It's a way of saying, I'm not going to put a limit. And, and maybe you do that with your finances, maybe you do, but, but you can do that in all other areas of your life as well. So, you know, each year I'm going to look to give a little more to this. Uh, I'm going to give a little more to this. Uh, each year I'm going to be willing to put up with a little more, you know. And then December 31st comes around and you're like, well, I don't have to put up with that yet. Tomorrow I do, but I don't have to put up with it now. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and stop asking how much. Let's pray. Dear God, we praise you for the reality of the gospel. There is no truth that is more powerful than what we find in you, Lord Jesus. In you we see what true love really looks like. God, I pray that we would 
in this place sense your presence here. We would sense your forgiveness and your grace upon ourselves. God, I pray that we would discover the freedom that comes from giving more and more. God, I pray that in that we would find true life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We now have an